Yes, hello. We do need a revolution, a revolution of health and love and life. And even on Christmas Day, which is the day this show will broadcast, we still need to keep that revolution in our heart, in our in our faith of where we're heading to better things, to a better world. Um, I hope wherever you are, uh, you're able to find a moment of, of peace and of joy today. I know things have been really crazy all over the world. Things are, are really pretty crazy right now. Um, and I just hope each and every one of you um, on this Christmas day or whenever it is that you're listening to this program, that you um, are able to find those moments of peace and joy with your loved ones, with your friends, wherever you can find them. Um, a lot of us have lost people in the past year for many reasons, and we've lost friends. We've lost friendships with the craziness that has caused um, divisions I couldn't have imagined. You know, in my other life, I'm a writer, a fiction writer, and it's like I think if I wrote this as a plot, it, an editor would say, "This is stupid. This is crazy. This could never happen." You know, <laughs> but here we are. Um, but through it all, you know, we've had each other. And even as some people step away, other people we turn to and we find kindred spirits and we find, um, we give grace to those who think differently than us and we embrace these newfound people on our path forward. I know we all want the same thing. We want health and, and family and stability and freedom. Through all of it, we also, you know, have faith. Faith for all of us is something different. For some, it's in God, or it's in truth, or it's in nature, or it's in love, it's in faith in, in humanity. Um, we're a nation of, of many religions, of religious freedom, and the freedom to find our own spiritual path, whatever that may be. And the beauty of this nation is the diversity of religion and faith that can work side by side and in harmony. It really has been a beautiful thing. And it has sustained a lot of us through these very difficult times when the world seems to be turning completely upside down. Religion isn't just something that we practice in church or in a temple um, or a mosque. Religion is very personal. It's it's who we are in our hearts and our souls. And I dare say, even in their, in their very cells, I know my own spiritual beliefs guide everything that I do every day. Um, and that really brings us to today's topic, which is the intersection between religious freedom and medical freedom, because my choices, my, my, uh, my spiritual beliefs that, that guiding that good, right and wrong, good and evil, um, you know, that that doesn't just stop when I'm thinking about who I am as a spiritual person. That defines what I'm buying at the grocery store. That defines the medical choices that I make. It's all integrated. We cannot separate them. Um, so today, we are going to be talking about that intersection of religious and medical freedom. And we have a fantastic guest with us today who's the perfect person to, to really help enlighten us. Um, she is a fighter on this very subject. Her name is Dr. Shannon Croner, and she has a doctorate degree in clinical psychology, 
a master's degree in special education with a focus in educational therapy and a bachelor's degree in English. She's also a certified coach in timeline therapy, neuro-linguistic programming, and hypnotherapy. She's been working with clients since 2001 in both a private practice and within the classroom. Dr. Croner is a coalition member of Physicians for Informed Consent, an organization that I, I support as well, and so does Informed Choice Washington. She's a professional member of the Association of Educational Therapists and other groups. She's completed a dissertation entitled Childhood Vaccinations, the Development of an Educational Manual. In her free time, she actively fights for parents' rights against the restrictive legislation in California. And unfortunately, it seems to be spreading everywhere. And she's one of the co-organizers of One Conversation. She's also the creator of the social media groups, Save California's Charter Schools and California for Medical Freedom. In 2019, Dr. Croner began the organization Freedom of Religion United Solutions for Us, a coalition of religious leaders from all faiths standing united in protecting religious freedom under the First Amendment. Walk, uh, welcome so much, uh, Dr. Croner, or shall I call you Shannon? <laughs> you can call me Shannon. Okay. Uh, welcome Thank you so much for having me on. Oh, you're welcome. Yeah, welcome to an informed life radio. You know, our mission here is just to help people make um, informed choices. And, you know, we're, we're not here to give medical or legal advice or religious advice. Um, and, you know, we just want to provide food for thought for people to go explore uh, and to be critical thinkers. It's it's so very important. Um, before we move forward, I, I talk a little bit, if you could, about that one conversation event that you organized, because that was so interesting how it finally looked on stage. So just tell <laughs> listeners what one conversation was all about. So um, that was back in 2018. I had this idea of doing a debate with, um, and I hate using the word anti-vax, but for this purpose, I'll say pro versus anti. Mm -hmm. um, but really, I mean, it was just a, I was trying to get a group of doctors and scientists from the whole spectrum of views on vaccination to all get on a stage together and talk about the vaccine controversies that are going on right now. And um, it was all set. I had it planned for um, Atlanta because that was that's where the CDC is. So um, that's why I chose that spot. And um, it was all set up. We had, uh, we worked, it was me and Brittany Vallis and we worked all year uh, arranging it and um, first we wanted to do it hosted by a debate team from one of the colleges out there in Atlanta. So we went to all these different colleges, went to Emory, went to, uh, Morehouse, um, Georgia tech. We went to all the, the colleges out there to try and get a debate team to help organize this. And, um, each one of them, they considered it and then they went to their higher ups the directors of their school that squashed the idea and said, no, they will not, um, they will not sponsor, they will not host. And so Brittany and I decided to um, host it personally without a debate team. And um, we 
were able to uh, get a vaccinologist and a uh, infectious disease doctor. We got an OBGYN and then we got, um, who was the other, another, like a, a, another scientist. And they had all agreed to do this on stage with um, people such as uh, Dr. Bob Sears, Dr. Tony Bark, Dr. T uh, Sherry Tenpenny, Del Bigtree, uh, Dr. You know, uh, James Lyons Weiler, and all these people that all agreed. Um, and then right about, I would say two weeks before the date that it was scheduled, uh, the American Pediatric Association stepped in and said that they were against what we were doing. And then um, it was the American Academy of Pediatrics. They stepped in and then so did the director of the vaccine department at Emory. He, um, uh, Ornstein, he stepped in. Um, I had actually also invited uh, Stanley Plotkin to be a part of it. He uh, sent me a really nasty email calling oh, no. me. Um, what did he call me? I don't know. He uh, it was like, he called me like disgusting or something for even like putting this together. And, uh, and so all these and the OBGYN, she was the last to bail, but she did so like a week before. Um, all of them were strong armed by their superiors to not take the stage with the health freedom or you could say anti-vax people just mm -hmm. because if they took the stage with them then they are giving credibility to the fact that there is a discussion that there is a debate um and that is not allowed they are not allowed to acknowledge that there is a debate on vaccination um vaccines are always supposed to be safe effective they work there's no side effects i mean that is if it, that is what they have to say and that's what they have to do. And if they step on a stage with someone like Dell big tree or, you know, um, Dr. Sears, if they step on a stage with these people and have the conversation about, well, uh, you know, sometimes there are adverse reactions or sometimes vaccines don't work, then they lend credibility to our argument. Right. Vaccines yeah. are not safe all the time. So. And yeah. And one of the things I found fascinating about the um, Dr. Wakefield's new film, the 1986, the act was it brought you through the history of, of vaccines and public health working together. And you saw how decisions were made by our government to cover up or keep quiet about certain um, aspects of vaccination because they knew in order to get everybody to use them as often as they wanted them to use them, there could be no criticism. There could, the, the truth could not come out. And you only have to scratch the surface to see that absolutely everything that we are saying is true, but we've got the marketing of vaccines, the public health messaging of vaccines, and then you've got the actual science, and the two do not agree. Um, and it's it it is infuriating. But the beauty of the your event did take place, 
And yeah. it was so powerful <laughs> to see a stage. You left the chairs, you left the chairs for the doctors who didn't come. And I think that was really smart because the power of the empty chair, just sitting there that they were forbidden to discuss. Right. An actual science, you know, and, and it's like, you know, you were searching for a better word other than anti-vaxxer because most of the people in our movement, I mean, there, there's a percentage that are, would consider themselves anti-vaxxers, but so many are just, we just want scientific integrity and vaccine policy. We want safe products for those who choose them. Um, and, but that discussion is forbidden. Nothing else. Discussion the, can was you, forbidden. And it, what is yeah. interesting is like, so we, we did have the event and we set up the chairs that of the people who didn't show and put big signs on each chair that said canceled. Mm -hmm. And then we were able to still hold a debate because what we did, we were able to get clips of the people, some of the people that, you know, we invited some of the big names that are out there. So we got um, clips of Paul Offit and mm -hmm. Uh, of Plotkin and and those people um, saying their like sound bites, having their sound bites about you know things about vaccines, and then we were able to get uh, the people who did show to debate the sound bite and and say like okay, well they said this, mm -hmm. and here's our view on it. Mm -hmm. So. Yeah, um, it was it was beautiful. So thank you for doing that and all that work. Um, I I think it was successful, even though we didn't it didn't end up the way you had in originally it was intended. Successful. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, we had I know that we had um, I want to say it was something like thirty thousand views within the first twenty four hours, mm -hmm. um, and that was just streaming through uh, the Highwire um, YouTube channel. Yeah. And so that, I mean, that was huge. Yeah. And what, what we're seeing now, I mean, I, I, I feel like we, you know, COVID has really exposed the fact that this machinery, the public health collaboration with the pharmaceutical industry to use their liability free products with no criticism, it's imploding or exploding, or maybe both at the same time, but everything is falling apart. And they're having to censor more and more and more. And I, I see them moving. I see the seeds out there in some of the major articles that they're moving next toward books that they're going to go after Amazon and Barnes and Noble to stop selling the books. And it's just, it's so insane. Um, but it's going to, it's going to eventually backfire because truth will win. Right. And um, that's a whole other conversation that um, I would, you know, love to have, but what we want to focus on today really is, is that crossover between medical freedom, really freedom of speech, but freedom of, of religion. So, you founded this group, which I mentioned, you know, in your bio, how did, how did this come to be something that you wanted to do? What do you have some personal, um, drive that brought you here? Yeah. So, so, uh, for us is the acronym of freedom of religion, United solutions. And, um, it definitely was a long road that took me to starting that, but um, what happened is, so I've been working with kids with autism for like the last 20 years, um, in a therapy practice. And, uh, I kept hearing the same story before I even knew what autism was. I would like at the very beginning, um, when I was still learning and, uh, I would go and do an intake 
uh, with the families. And I would say, you know, was your child born like this or, you know, what, how did this happen? And they would always say this, I got the same story every time that their child was born fine, healthy, normal, had a few words, was meeting their milestones. And then after a round of vaccines, something happened and they lost their speech or they lost their Mm -hmm. connection with people, um, lost their eye contact. Yeah. And, and and I want to add right here, one thing that most people have no idea, and it's a perfect example of public health messaging versus the science. If you go to the CDC webpage, just search in your search engine, CDC vaccines, autism, you get to a page that says vaccines in the plural do not cause autism. They have a couple of citations. And one of them is to an antigen study that they claim supports their statement. You click on it, you go read it. It compared one group of vaccinated kids to another group of vaccinated kids. So basically it's sort of tobacco science, right? Because it's not vaccinated versus unvaccinated. And they just conclude the level of antigen, one component of the vaccine, the level of that does not seem to um, be associated with autism. So you, another way to say it is a little bit of antigen can cause autism, but so can a lot. And it's really individual, but it gets better. In the conclusion, the authors actually state exactly what you just said. They said in cases of regressive autism in which a child was developing normally, we cannot rule out environmental causes, including vaccines. So this is what people don't realize. This is why your one conversation was being censored. They don't want people to think or look. They want to keep everybody arguing and name calling and staying at that surface level of just the comments. But if they actually go read the science, they see that there is trouble and what we are saying is right. So anyway, so you were working with these parents, the kids, and they were all telling you it was after the vaccines. Yeah. And so, I mean, that was really kind of my first um, introduction to the vaccine issue. And then in 2009, um, I was pregnant with my first child. And I, um, so now here I am already aware that vaccines can cause issues, but I did not realize, um, I thought it was more of the schedule, like too many at one time. And so, um, I was 12 weeks pregnant and went in to see my doctor and it was during the swine flu epidemic. And, um, my doctor was pushing the swine flu vaccine and the flu shot. And this was in November when it's, you know, flu season. And And did your doctor tell you that those vaccines were not licensed for use in pregnancy, that it was an off label usage being pushed by the CDC, but they weren't licensed for that use. (laughs) No, So that never happened. However, I was like in my mind, I, you know, I was, I had already done some research on vaccines. And so I was smart enough to decline the swine flu vaccine. And I remember my argument with the doctor at that time saying, you know, there's no, it, it just came out like a month ago. There hasn't been that much research on it. I really just don't want to do it. And so the doctor had said, well, you know, the flu shot that we carry is preservative free, so you'll be fine. And so, um, I really didn't want to. And then there was that whole kind of like, you know, guilty pressure that I, that the doctor kind of gave me. And so I was like, okay, well, I guess it's kind of a win by declining the swine flu shot. And so 
And since the flu shot doesn't have preservatives in it, which is not actually totally true because preservative free doesn't mean like totally preservative free. It just means a lot less of the preservatives. And so um, I got the preservative free flu shot. And then within about, it was something within like 24 to 48 hours, I started to leak amniotic fluid. And um, I ended up at the ER and I lost 95% of my amniotic fluid. And, um, and then I was told that I was going to lose the baby. I was told that, um, you know, uh, I only have 5% of fluid left and that the chances of survival are practically nothing. However, there was still a heartbeat. And so um, I went for six different opinions because I was not ready to give up on my child. And so um, every one of those opinions came back that I needed to end the pregnancy. And I just felt in my heart that there was no way I could stop a heartbeat. And so I did my own research. I put myself on bed rest. I found research saying that like, um, the more hydrated you are, the more amniotic fluid your body will produce. And so this was in week 12. It was like the end of week 12 and the beginning of the 13th week. And then by week 20 of me being on bed rest and drinking tons and tons of water, um, by week 20, my amniotic fluid was back to normal, 100%. And I carried uh, full term and I have a 10-year-old today who's a happy, healthy 10-year-old. So that was my, had my own vaccine injury which really kind of woke me up even more to the vaccine issue. Mm -hmm. Um, And so then, so through my journey, then living in California in 2015 came SB 277, which uh, mandated vaccines for kids. And, uh, you know, my, because of my experience, my kids um, had a personal belief exemption at the time. And so that was gotten rid of the personal belief religious exemption was taken away in 2015, which I had been fighting and going up to Sacramento for that. Um, And then in 2019, we had SB 276, which took away the medical exemption. And I fought even harder for that. Like all these different, you know, legislative, these bills would come out and I'd be flying back and forth to Sacramento fighting for vaccine choice. And um, when SB 276 passed, I was up in Sacramento on the day that it passed. I actually met Governor Newsom and wanted to, I wanted to speak with him because I had a uh, scientist who was a very high profile scientist who wanted to speak with him on the phone. And I, um, was able to meet with Newsom just after it, the bill passed the Senate. And I went up to Newsom and I said, you know, I have this scientist. He's ready to speak with you on the phone before you make any decisions on signing the bill. Can you please speak with him? And he looked at me. This was literally 15 minutes after the, the bill had passed the Senate. He looked at me and he said, it's too late. I've already signed it. And I was like, wait, what? It's only been like 15 minutes. Like, wow. like you haven't spoken to the scientist. You need to speak to the scientist. And 
he was like, it's just, it's too late. I've already spoken to plenty of doctors. I've spoken to plenty of scientists. I knew what I wanted to do. And so in that moment, I was like, okay, I'm not going to win this fight in California. I need to take this to a higher level. Mm-hmm. Um, I need to take this to a broader level. This, I need to take this fight to a broader level where I can reach more people. And with that, I started um, for us, Freedom of Religion United Solutions, because I felt like I needed to take it to not only a national level, but then also if I could reach people of all faiths, I was like, what, you know, where can I speak with people? Where, how can I relate to almost everybody with the vaccine issue? And what I found is my argument regarding vaccines is very different today than it was in 2019 before um, I created this organization. The argument today is now like about the First Amendment. We have the First Amendment. It protects religious freedom. Do you want to continue protecting your religious freedom? Is your religious freedom important to you? Mm -hmm. If it is, then you need to understand that, uh, you know, we have the religious freedom to opt out of something that goes against our religious beliefs. Mm -hmm. And so um, that's kind of how for us began. and. You know, I've been for the last year and few months that it started, I've been going to uh, Washington, D.C., meeting with people, um, with legislators, Congress and, mm-hmm. and things like that with the, with the organization. Well, you've just done a fantastic job. You're, the website is wonderful. Can you give everybody the website address? It's forunitedsolutions.org. So F-O-R unitedsolutions.org. That's great. And they can go explore. And you really have pulled together such a variety of religions and voices, um, you know, all united on this, this, um, on the religious freedom and, and how it impacts, how, I, how am I trying to say that on my earbuds slipping? Sorry. Um, what you know, often what will happen here is we'll talk about, say, a religious exemption to vaccination, and they'll and everybody will think, well, you know, it has to pertain to your church. You belong to a church, and they tell you that it's wrong to get vaccinated. Um, but that's not the case, is it? That's it. The United States Constitution protects your personally held religious beliefs. So you've got these fabulous. Um, leaders, but when I've heard them speak, I hear them, each of them from their own religious perspective, really talk about more about the individual's, you know, um, belief in what is right and wrong. You know, it's not, they're not saying you can't do that because it's not right. They ask people to look into their heart and soul and make those personal choices based on what they believe, wherever that comes from. Yeah. I mean, um, our, the organization has, so I've been building this coalition of all these different religious leaders of all faiths. So we have, uh, you know, Jewish rabbis and Catholic priests and, uh, Christian pastors, um, Muslim imams. Uh, there are, there are all different faith leaders, um, that are part of this coalition. And, um, and they're Buddhists, there's a Buddhist monk and, you know, um, it really is just like what you said is that, uh, 
you know, yes, there are reasons why certain uh, religions will say, you know, for instance, like the human aborted fetal DNA, Mm -hmm. it really goes against the Catholic and, you know, the Christian religion is like, you're not supposed to uh, take part in abortion. Like you just, and then the fact that abortion is used in both testing and the final product, you know, in the the production, Mm -hmm. it's, it's abortion in many vaccines, abortion is used for testing and for production. But even for the ones that it's not used for production, the testing alone. So, you know, that, um, yeah, and I think we should kind of explain to listeners sort of new to understanding this is that, um, fetal cell lines are created from human aborted, um, tissue. These are, these are elective abortions that the women chose to have for whatever reason. And these go back to the 1960s on up until now. And then they donate, um, you know, the fetus and the cells go into labs and they are, uh, experimented with. And, um, I believe they add like the HeLa cells to get them to keep growing and growing. And, and it's these fetal cell lines that are used in many aspects of medicine, not just vaccines. Um, and, and they use them at the research and development stage. They use them at the testing of the product stage and some products actually, um, culture the bacteria or the virus that's going to be going into the actual needle, culture it in fetal cells. And so there is residual, uh, fetal DNA fragments in the final product that is injected into you. Um, I think, uh, kind of a, a downer point to, to take a break, but we're going to take a break here uh, to hear a little bit from some great organizations that we fully support. And we'll be back in just a few minutes. Did you know that in 1986, Congress passed the National Childhood Vaccine Injury Act, granting liability protection to drug companies for injuries and deaths caused by their vaccine products recommended to children? Did you know injuries and deaths of pregnant women and their unborn children were added to the act in 2016? Did you know that on February 4th, 2020, drug companies who make COVID-19 vaccines were placed under the liability protection of the Public Readiness and Emergency Preparedness Act, known as the PrEP Act? To learn the history of how we got here in order to protect yourself now and in the future, you must see the film, 1986, The Act. Go to 1986theact.com today. Hi, I'm Lynn Redwood, president of the nonprofit Children's Health Defense. Our chairman, Robert F. Kennedy Jr., and our entire team are devoted to ending the epidemic of illnesses and disorders plaguing our children today. Through legal action, we're working to hold industries and government agencies accountable and to establish safeguards to prevent further harm. We're working overtime during this COVID-19 crisis to keep you informed about the politics and science of rush vaccine candidates. Freedom and our children's futures have never been more in jeopardy, but we can succeed. With your help, we can stop the devastation and give our children and grandchildren the healthy future they deserve. To learn more about what we're doing and how you can help, 
Visit childrenshealthdefense.org and sign up for our free news. Please visit childrenshealthdefense.org today. Are you suffering from a sinking feeling that the COVID-19 pandemic is being blown out of proportion and that nothing in the news is making any sense? If so, then there is a fact-based, science-driven news show designed just for you. My name is Del Bigtree, and I am the host of The High Wire, the world's most trusted news source in digital media when it comes to accurate, science-based reporting on the COVID-19 pandemic. From COVID-19 vaccine development to mask mandates, school shutdowns to job layoffs, The High Wire goes beyond providing you with the most accurate, evidence-based investigations. We send you links to the sources for all of our reporting so that you can further your own investigation and come to your own informed conclusions. High above the agenda-driven circus of mainstream media, we do not run. We do not hide from the truth. Instead, we walk the high wire. If you care about truth, then join us on Instagram, Twitter, Roku, and our website, thehighwire.com. Welcome back to an Informed Life Radio on 1150 AM KKNW. I'm your host, Bernadette Pager. And I just love that new promo we have for Del Bigtree and the high wire, his energy just, you know, I needed to hear that. We had some very serious talk just before the break. And, um, you know, we can't shy away completely from it, but it is uh, Christmas Day, this day this is airing. So we're going to try to turn things around here and give it a little bit more of a a hopeful feel. So I've got Dr. Shannon Croner with me, um, and she is the founder of the organization for us, for, oh, I already forgot already, for United Solutions. Um, and we're talking about religious freedoms and how religious freedom informs medical freedom, because what that means. Um, it when When you go to choose and say, you know, use your medical, uh, a religious exemption for, say, a vaccine. You do not have to belong to a religion whose leaders tells you, you cannot do this. The Constitution doesn't say that is how it has to be. It is about your own personal, deeply held beliefs. And I want to sort of explain something a little bit here. Like, so, Shannon, I love that you do have this coalition of all these religious leaders of all these religions, there's many people in, the, in America right now that are kind of like me. I'm, I embrace all religions. I believe they are all journeys and, and wonderful paths toward, you know, enlightenment and freedom and understanding of what makes this glorious universe work. But just like some people like Italian and other people, you know, like German food, we all have a different path, not, not all of, you know, I think that we need that variety because, you know, we all have a different way of understanding and learning. And my own spiritual journey um, is very uniquely mine. And my, my, my moral compass is when I do a lot of research and I study something and I learn about it deeply, I act to try to act upon it in my personal life with my choices. And I can tell you that for me to choose to vaccinate myself or vaccinate my son at this moment, knowing what I know about each of the vaccine products, I would consider that to be a sin because I would be doing something 
that I know would cause harm, that has the potential for harm. And I also know, because I've empowered myself with knowledge, that I am not doing him harm by withholding it, because I've studied how to treat vaccine-targeted infections. I know that his risk, my risk, his risk of getting them. I know the treatment options. I know what I would choose. I understand my immune system and I continue to follow and learn. Um, so I legitimately can claim a religious exemption because that's my own personal. A lot of people in the United States don't understand that. Can you talk to like what it says in the constitution about the definition of religious freedoms? Is that something that um, yeah, I mean, you were just talking about hope. And so I wanted to give your, um, your listeners some hope. So one of the things that I just recently added to uh, our website to uh, forunitedsolutions.org are religious exemptions. And so um, it, they're easily downloadable religious exemptions that so for instance, if like someone's employer is requiring them to get a flu shot and, or, you know, in the near future, if someone's employer is requiring them to get a COVID shot, uh, there are adult religious exemptions on the website. And one of the things that they say is that it talks about um, OSHA and like the Occupational Safety and Health Administration mm -hmm. and how, um, it says, let me just, I'm pulling it up that, uh, hold on, let me get to the, ex the exemption form. So we have both adult and child exemptions. Uh, the religious exemptions for the children cannot be used in five states that have outlawed religious exemptions, but they can be, so the five states that they cannot be used in are California, New York, Maine, West Virginia, and Mississippi, but they should work in um, all the other states. Uh, some states require further, you know, some, some schools have their own documentation and things like that. Um, mm -hmm. Or for instance, like Florida has their own religious exemption that they expect for, um, for educational purposes. Uh, but they, these exemptions can be used for there's children's and there's um, there's ones for children. There's ones for adults. The adult ones, I'm going to pull that up right now. And so anyone can go to the website and um, and they're free to download. Uh, we are a nonprofit 501c3. So I just ask that if you are going to download it to um, give a donation. But um, they specifically say that per the U.S. Equal Employment Opportunity Commission, which enforces federal laws prohibiting employment discrimination, employers must offer religious and disability accommodations to vaccine requirements. So per the EOCC, um, religious accommodations to vaccine requirements must be allowed. Um, and then uh, also in terms of the First Amendment of the Constitution, which is uh, meant to protect religious freedom, um, anyone can uh, exercise their right to their First Amendment, to the to their religious freedom, and um, and that you know, yeah, that's that is uh, 
a fabulous uh, resource. So thank you so much for creating those. And then they have right on there the federal laws that protect them. It's frustrating. There are several states that I didn't know state law could then override the federal law like that. That's so that's only for children. These, uh, the adult ones, there are no, um, right now at, to, at this date, there are no, uh, the religious exemptions, for instance, have not been taken away for adults mm-hmm. like they have for children going to school. So, um, you know, like in California, there is no such thing as a religious exemption anymore. Uh, Mm -hmm. There's really not even a medical exemption. Someone has to literally in California, a child literally has to be near death in order to get um, a medical exemption. Yeah. You you remind me of two years ago when we were losing our... um just to one of the vaccines, the personal exemption to the MMR, we still have the religious and medical. But one of the, I believe it was a senator stood on the Senate floor and said that she had like a nephew that was injured by a vaccine. And that the he qualified then after the injury for a medical exemption. And then the little brother was given one because the older brother, because it was familial, they found out genetically susceptible. And she stood there and said, see, this proves that our system works. And therefore, she was voting to remove our personal exemption. And I'm so appalled. So she's saying that we have to offer up, sacrifice our firstborn to vaccines to see if they're going to be injured. And if you, you know, sacrifice your firstborn, then we'll let you get by with not sacrificing. It just, it didn't make any sense to me what her argument, but here in Washington, um, we, we got a great bill that we didn't even inform to us. Washington didn't even know it was coming. This is the gift of, of COVID and some really awake, wonderful legislators. Um, somebody dropped a bill called, uh, House Bill 1006, an act relating to protecting the right of every Washington resident to decline an immunization or vaccination based on religion or conscience. It's fantastic. It restores what we have lost and it gives um, like, that's amazing. you know, we don't have any adult mandates at this time either except for in limited daycare situations. And so this gives everybody um, that. So I'm, I was thrilled to see that. We also have a bill coming that's COVID-19 vaccine specific. Um, so we've got some, some people fighting. So my question for you about this religious exemption, it's exciting to think it's there. And I'm going to now, um, later on, I'll be linking to it on the Informed Choice Washington website. We've got an exemption tab. So I will... Um, I will be adding that and sharing that. It's it's very good to know. I hear from a lot of people that their company has religious exemptions, but then they have to they have to prove it in some way. Right. And as the way I interpret the Constitution is, uh, employers cannot be judge and jury. They cannot decide if your faith is valid. They can't give it to this one person who's of this faith, but not this person of that faith. They have no right to judge your faith. Am I understanding correctly? Yeah. So they are not really supposed to ask. They're really not supposed to ask what your religion is or why your religion says uh, not to vaccinate. However, you know, 
some employers go beyond what is really um, needed and will require a letter or a signature. Um, I've gotten a lot of people who um, have written to me and they send me their own employer's religious exemption forms and the the data that they want from people is it's not constitutional but then again also you know people are willing to give up this information if it means that they can uh, escape getting a vaccine so they will do whatever is needed so that they can keep their job and um and still get the exemption so i've been getting a lot of because the exemption that we um have on on the organization website it does not require a religious a clergy member's signature Mm -hmm. it doesn't require someone to list if they're jewish or christian or muslim or whatever um it's strictly goes by you know the constitution um and an employer is really not supposed to like you say play judge and jury about Mm -hmm. someone's religious beliefs um but a lot of employers do and so um there are uh religious leaders within the for us coalition who um are open to speaking with people who need that extra letter or extra signature and helping them find someone within their area or um, connect, you know, and that's something that I've been doing is helping connect people with different pastors or rabbis um, throughout the country so that they can get uh, that extra letter or signature that they Mm -hmm. need, but really it's not required at all. Um, and it's, you know, it's just employers decide that they. Yeah. And I, I, and I'm, it's fantastic that the support is there um, for people who just like, I would just want to get it over with. I want to keep my job. I'm going to tell them what they want to hear. Um, but I also hope that more people become aware of what religious freedom actually means solidly because they will continue to change. They'll say, well, there's no aborted fetal cells in this vaccine. And that's why you said you couldn't get it. So now you have to get it. They'll keep um, looking for ways to take away that freedom. And, you know, we should have that religion. If, if it's just that your path of being, of understanding how you are in the world with the other microbes and viruses, and you believe in the, um, you know, the whole other paradigm of health that you don't fear disease, you believe in your body being the temple and keeping your temple healthy. That's, that's valid. That's who you are. That's the essence of your, of your being, your religious being. And um, you shouldn't have to explain that to anyone. So we, you know, like I start off this program, the theme music is, you know, we need a revolution, because we really, we're in the sort of the ultimate battle here. COVID-19 has shown is really pharma being used to try to force us to live their paradigm, to -hmm. fear disease if they've invented a vaccine or are trying to invent a vaccine for it, um, and then force us to to take their products. And um, 
I, I think that they probably pulled the trigger on this thing earlier than they intended. I think it's probably something that was in the works that they wanted to do. But people have been more and more becoming awake, haven't they, about real health, how to fight cancer naturally, how to live healthy, how to get off of all the drugs. In the United States, we've got, what, 5% of the population, and we consume 70% 70% of the pharmaceuticals, you know, um, and we have the unhealthiest population of all industrial. I think there's even third world countries that have healthier populations than we do at this point. Oh, I'm sure. <laughs> so, I'm sure. Um, anyway, I'm kind of getting off, uh, getting off track here. So, I mean, I uh, do agree with you though, that, you know, COVID as terrible, as terrible as, as it's been, mm-hmm. it has really, um, awakened the masses. Those who would never, uh, question a vaccine before are now suddenly, questioning vaccine safety and vaccine science. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, as much as this year has been just a nightmare, mm-hmm. you know, I, I look at it as, you know, it's 2020. And so we have, we've been given this almost like 2020 vision of seeing clearer. Mm-hmm. And so I think a lot more people are starting to see clearer um, in 2020 of what's really going on with big pharma and with, uh, you know, there's a lot of people who've said like, well, you know, uh, I've, I've taken other vaccines, but I didn't realize that all the science they're learning about the science mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. of vaccines and they're learning about the money there's, you know, they're learning about the, the money and, um, how much money and profit is made with vaccine manufacturing and vaccine distribution. And so I think there's a lot more people who are waking up and uh, our, our army is getting larger by the day. So yeah, and they're seeing things like what has to be silenced in order for the vaccine to be the hero. The treatments have to be silenced. Oh, yeah. yeah. So mm-hmm. I got to give a plug for healthyimmunitynow.org. It's a website devoted to exclusively to the existing treatment protocols from doctors, from MDs, NDs, ICU, frontline doctors, all sorts of variety, nutrient, nutrient drug protocols being used in hospitals um, and in clinics around the United States and, and around the world, all hyperlinked to science and testimony and, and clinical trials and the whole thing. All, you never hear that on the news. You don't hear that on your local um, TV station. You hear that there are no treatments that exist and it's so frustrating. Treatments exist, but if you're gonna push a vaccine, you have to make people fear the disease and that there are no treatments. And that is waking people up. Um, really quite a bit. And, you know, I feel like as a nation, we're very, we're very young, we're a little bit like sort of cocky teenagers who think we know it all. And yeah, 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 you know, and we kind of roll our eyes and think all is fine. But we've been living in this freedom without really fully understanding what it has meant. Because unlike other uh, countries like Germany and France that have cultural history of invasion and, and, and really awful governments, right? Um, they've been gathering in the streets by the hundreds of thousands, if not millions, Germany oh had like gosh, a million. Yeah. And um, against the lockdown, the, you know, the, the masking and the tyranny and everything that's been going on. But we hear kind of like, we're getting some growing pains, some waking up that, oh my goodness, how easy is it to accidentally hand over your freedom? 
Oh, definitely. I, I've seen these uh, protests and they're just amazing. And you would think, you know, we're called the United States, but we're so divided. It's, mm. uh, it's so unfortunate how divided we, we have been, which is like those numbers of people are what we need every time there's a new mandate bill. Yeah. Um, you know, it, it needs to be a national thing. So for instance, you know, last this past year, uh, New Jersey, they, they were lucky, lucky. They were able to kill their, their vaccine mandate bill, but you know, the people need to really go out by the, the hundreds of thousands because yes. these mandate bills, they're going to keep coming, especially yeah. now with the COVID vaccine. Mm-hmm. I already can picture what's going to be coming for 2021. And I can tell you state by state, there will be different types of mandate bills, vaccine mandate bills. And we really need to, to act as the United States. We need to be united and show up in the most massive amount of numbers for the net, whatever the next vaccine mandate bill is. I don't care what the state is that everybody from every state needs to show up against that. It's, it's really time to, and, um, it's a little bit crude, but uh, you know, I'm saying it's time to stand up or bend over. So, you know, (laughs) it's time let's, let's do this. And, um, and that's a great place to, to end today's show, Shannon, thank you so much for, for being on and informed life radio, for giving us hope, for giving us a religious exemption. I will get that on the informed choice, Washington website, um, to all of you out there, you know, life is change. And sometimes these transitions are really, really hard. But turn to those you love, um, find hope, reach out to new friends, have grace for those who don't understand you. Um, And I wish you happy holidays and a very Merry Christmas and joy to the world. Thank you so much for having me on. Yeah, you're welcome. (laughs) This has been uh, Informed Life Radio on 1150 AM KKNW. Need information about your child's vaccinations? Informed Choice Washington is a nonprofit organization of parents, family members, medical professionals, educators, and Washingtonians from all walks of life. They believe in personal freedoms and individual choices, including health care choices. Their mission is to advocate for vaccine policy reform based on scientific integrity and individual health needs, to promote education about healthy immunity, and to protect informed consent and medical freedom in Washington state. To stay informed, visit informedchoicewa.org. Informed Choice Washington envisions the future where every doctor is fully trained in identifying vaccine risk factors and recognizing vaccine injury. Every child is afforded a personalized approach to disease prevention, and every parent has the freedom to make the best healthcare decisions for themselves and their families. They know every child matters. Go to informedchoicewa.org today.